I uh, would like to start uh, this message this morning in a passage of scripture that you might be well familiar with and that I have preached from it. I don't know how many times now. But let's start once again in Acts chapter 2. I think another month or two of me, you're going to be able to recite it from memory, whole thing. We're going to start Acts chapter 2 verse 1, if you have your scriptures with you. All right, let's see how my Bible narration goes. It's quite inspired by what I just heard. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Peter addresses the crowd. He stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, saying, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. In those days, they will prophesy. And so begins the first public sermon the church would hear. This is the first message that God declared. And the words he starts with, the prophecy he starts with, foretells that in the last days God's Holy Spirit would be poured out on all God's people and that filled with the Holy Spirit, they would prophesy we would see spiritual visions we would dream spiritual dreams and we would prophesy prophecy is not as mysterious as you might have thought it sounds super spiritual and in a sense it is because god is spirit but prophecy 
is simply God speaking. When God speaks, it is prophecy. And God speaks in a whole lot of different ways. He speaks, he prophesies through his written word, the Bible. He speaks through, through impressions. God speaks through people. He speaks through angels, through dreams, through visions, through a donkey, through miracles, and through creation. We describe something as prophetic when God is speaking through it or when God is directing it. So we describe our worship as being prophetic when we stop trying to lead it and make it happen and allow him to lead it and to speak through us. As a longtime member of the worship ministry here, I can tell you that it is crazy the times that we are serving in now. There was a time, certainly under my leadership, where ideally a week and a half before the service, we'd have everything planned out. Every song, every transition, we'll repeat that, but at the end do a refrain. These are the keys we'll be, we'll be singing in. It's all good to go. And it'll all be down in a little run sheet that I put together. It's great. Oh, I loved it. I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I could plan for everything. So that was a service according to Clay, and you probably remember them. They were glorious days. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. That is not what we call prophetic. Um, we turn up now, and it's a good day if there's one song that has been strongly impressed upon someone in the team. And our preparation isn't so much as musical as it is just seeking him. There was a time when we'd spend an hour and a half before you guys turn up working on transitions to get the musical links right. We now spend that time praying and just worshipping him. So instead of practicing worship, we just worship. And in those times, he just speaks to us and he like draws our heart into things. And now we're singing a different song and it flows into something else. And it's like he leads us on this beautiful journey. And then you walk in at some time in the morning and you get to join in the journey that he's leading us in. That's prophetic worship. Him leading us in song. And I love it. Preaching becomes prophetic when it's not the words of a man or a woman that you're hearing, but his words. And it's not always like that. And I certainly know that my preaching comes alive when I know that that is not my wisdom. That is not my study. That is just him speaking. That is what he has deposited in my spirit. When I give voice to that, the preaching comes alive. That is prophetic because it is God speaking, not a man. Dance even can become prophetic. When the, when the sentiment, the emotion that you are expressing is what he has put in you and it wells up. I'm not sure if you've seen me dance, but I don't know. No, yeah, no, my dance is not prophetic. But, but there are some who, who it is, and, and that is how God has anointed them. 
and they can communicate his, his word and his heart through the movement of their body, and it's beautiful. My dancing is something else. Prophecy is how God wants to speak to his church. Prophecy is how God said he would speak to his church. Prophecy is how God is speaking to his church. So we need to listen and we need to take heed. God has been speaking to the rock prophetically and in increasing measure for at least the last five years. I mean, I've only been here going on seven years now, so I'm not really familiar with things that have gone before. But certainly in my history in the church, I first came into uh, faith when I was 13. I have never seen or heard the level of prophetic utterances I have had in these last few years. And uh, I don't know whether God started talking to us more in these times or whether we're just starting to listen more. But God's word is breaking through into our community in what seems to be unprecedented measure in the last few years. Why is that, do you think? Why? Is it because we are more committed than we used to be? Is it because we are humble to listen? Is it because we are spiritually mature now to handle it? Is it something that's right with us? It's interesting looking back at the ministry of the prophets in the Old Testament. Prophets like Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, and others. You look at their ministry and how that was received and how people responded. People didn't respond that well. They were ignored. On a good day, they were ignored. On a bad day, they were thrown into a pit. Israel, Judah, they weren't listening. They weren't humble. They weren't more committed to God. They weren't spiritually mature. But God prophesied to them anyway. It wasn't that they were right. It's that God's time was right. And now God's prophetic voice is being heard again in increasing measure. So what does that say about the times we're living in? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. In those days, they will prophesy. We are living in a time when God's prophetic voice is calling out to his people. And we need to listen. And we need to speak it forth when God moves us to speak for him. For this is his way. This is the way that he works. Through the Apostle Paul, the Spirit prophesied in 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one there is given through the, message, the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the sp- same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To know the miraculous powers. To another prophecy. Prophecy is a gift that God has given the church. And it's a gift of utmost importance. First Corinthians 12 from verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, then third, teachers, and so on. Prophecy is a foundational gift. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It is on the foundation of apostolic ministry and prophecy that the church was built, and is being rebuilt, re-established now. Prophecy is an equipping gift. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Prophecy is a revelatory gift. It is revelation. Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is a gift that God gives in different measure according to his grace and plan and in in accordance with the measure of faith. That he has given us. Romans chapter 12. From verse 5. In Christ we though many. Form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying. Then prophesy. In accordance. With your faith. That means that while we all have. The potential. To prophesy in the Holy Spirit. We can all operate to a level prophetically, and I certainly have experienced this. There are those particular saints that God anoints to speak with an accuracy, with a frequency, and with a kingdom authority that goes well beyond what is common to the rest of us. These saints are prophets, and they are a gift from God to the church today not just back in the day. Just as they have always been there through history, they are here today because God is calling his church back to him. 
He is calling us back to his plan, to his blueprint. And he wants us to see the revelation that he has from heaven. He wants us to hear because we have not had ears to hear. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 3, John writes, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written, because the time is near. Now John there is speaking specifically about the prophecy that he was sharing in the book of Revelations. But that encouragement applies to the prophecy that God is giving us today as well. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of these prophecies. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written because the time is near. The time is near for what John prophesied in Revelation and for what Cindy Ruakiri and David McCracken and David Peters and James Anson and Ingrid Hewitson and Greg Simnor have been prophesying here. The time is near. In fact, it is here already and we have been seeing the fulfillment of these words. Blessed are we who hear these words and take them to heart. Take them to heart. That is where these words need to be planted. For that is where revelation starts. A transformative understanding that is a holistic understanding that transforms who we are, not just changes some of our behavior. This is birthed in our spirits in our hearts, and it flows from there to transform the rest of us. There is a, a temptation to assume that understanding uh, is a challenge of the mind, that it is a cerebral exercise. But the mind is only one part of the process, and it is not the most important part. Spiritual truth is not an intellectual pursuit. It is a spiritual one. Understanding, much like love, starts with the heart. But if our heart is hard, we cannot truly understand, which has been the struggle for people like me through all the ages. In Mark 8, verse 17, we read, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asks, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? What's their hearts got to do with it? Acts chapter 28, 25 to 27. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. And Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. A hard heart is unreceptive. It is difficult, if not impossible, to penetrate. 
a hard heart affects our other faculties, making it difficult, if not impossible, to hear or to see or to understand, to experience or to respond. The heart is a mysterious faculty. We we find it hard, or I find it hard to articulate and explain how it works. How does the heart understand a matter? The heart wants what the heart wants. The heart knows what the heart knows. And words are often inadequate to express what wells up within it. The heart is the center of, of faith, of belief. And so this is where our understanding must begin. As Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2, turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. In Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding here in contrast to God's understanding, is the fruit of your reasoning, of the thinking of your unrenewed mind. Trusting in God with your heart often pits you against the critical reasoning of your mind. Your heart leads you to believe in God's promises and trust in him, despite it often not making sense according to our logic. Take, for example, Abraham. God prophesied that he would be the father of nations, despite the fact that his wife was already very old and Sarah was was barren. God begins to fulfill his promise by the miraculous provision of a son to them, Isaac. But then God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son, to take his life, the son of the promise, to kill him on an altar. Now to, to the mind... This command of God totally contradicts God's earlier promise. To the mind, it makes no sense. To the mind, it sounds brutal, horrific, a betrayal of his wife and family. But Abraham believed God at his word. He believed in his heart. And from there, he acted in faith. He trusted in his heart that God is faithful and would fulfill his promises. And he moved in obedience to sacrifice the thing on earth he held most dear, his son. How do we put our faith in a God that we haven't heard or seen in the flesh? When I came to faith in Christ, it was not because following Jesus was the most logical option of those that I had before me. I didn't weigh up everything, look at the pros and cons, and on the balance of things, the Jesus one was the best. That's I didn't think it through like that. My mind had not been able to conceive a way out of the mess that I was in, the mire that I was in. I was, as a 13-year-old boy, I was a wreck. My, my family had blown apart. My parents had broken up. I felt betrayed by my father. I was angry. I felt unloved. I had no idea who I was. 
and I couldn't see a way out of that. I was in despair. I was about to get kicked out of school. I was the last kid, as far as I understand, the last kid possibly in the country to receive the, uh, the cane. That's <laughs> something for the CV. I was acting out because I, I just didn't know what to do. And that's when God reached out to me. But he didn't, he didn't give me this plan logically laid out, a systematic process to my mind. He just whispered into my heart, I am your father and I love you and it's going to be okay. And I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense to me, but I knew it to be true in my heart and I responded from my heart to his word. I responded in faith. I responded emotionally. I responded physically as I bawled and let out all of this, this, rebellion and this hurt and just let it out and it was beautiful and it was real so how was it that I could come to faith in God in such a heartfelt fashion so real then trusting him in here and then go on to putting my heart on standby, turning that off, and thinking now for the rest of my life I'll, I'll just need this because this is about maturity. Where did I get that idea from? Because my mind didn't lead me in closer into God. It led me away from him. It led me into traps of legalism. It led me to pride. For some reason, I mothballed my heart. I started letting my mind do all the thinking and the talking. And my heart became progressively more callous than hard. And this made it impossible for me to then go on and receive and hear God's prophetic word. And so I didn't grow in it. And my mind became puffed up with knowledge. And it was not transforming me, and it was not birthing new life in me. Just as the human body dies when our biological heart stops beating, so also our faith dies when our spiritual heart stops beating. Now, my heart wasn't dead, but it certainly wasn't healthy. It was diseased, and it wasn't functioning properly. The heart in our chest pumps life-giving blood around our body. And our spiritual heart pumps faith and God's revelation around our entire being. That's why we need to receive revelation and believe it in our heart first. My heart is prepared to understand when it is soft and when it is humble. And it has not always been so. And there are times when it's not so humble still. There are times when I struggle to receive the prophetic word that God is pouring out here. I have to fight my nature on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. Because God's prophetic word sometimes comes out a bit crazy. Sometimes it comes out in a fashion which is not the way that I would have put it. If I was 
prophesying, it would uh, be quite systematic. Definitely bullet points. Probably uh, there would be cross-references and there would be footnotes explaining any point you're not sure on. There's a tough biblical word. I'd make sure that there was a definition provided. But that, for some reason, is not how prophecy seems to come initially from heaven. It comes in these weird dreams and pictures and it's all battering rams and thorn bushes and wells and cruise ships. I'm like, what? But yeah, God does things the way he does things. And unfortunately, what, what it means for me is that I have to trust in someone else's gift. I have to place myself under someone else's anointing because I'm not really getting it on my own. Uh, which makes me feel uncomfortable. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? People start getting all weird and you know, declaring prophecy and all these pictures from heaven. It makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm not wired that way. But God has a blueprint for how he speaks to his church. He has a blueprint for how he builds his church. And his sovereign plan is to equip the church, gift the church, with some anointings that reveal the reality of heaven to us here on earth. The apostolic ministry, the prophetic ministries. And they see things in heaven that just make no sense to us. But in faith, they declare it. They declare his word. They declare the pictures that he gives them. And I know for a fact that without that, I would not get anything. Because God does not speak to me the way he speaks to these people. He doesn't show me what he shows them. And if I can't be humble to receive from them and to listen and to place myself under their anointing, I would get nothing. I would keep on doing what I've always done. And guess where that gets me? Not nowhere. Gets me backwards. Humility, true submission requires true humility. If I'm not humble, I can't submit to God or anyone that he raises up. When I'm humble, I recognize that I don't know everything. When I'm humble, I recognize that much of what I thought I knew is probably wrong. When I submit to others, I can be taught the truth of God's word. When I'm humble, I can recognize that I'm not hearing everything that God has to say to me. And when I submit to others, I can receive more of God's prophetic word. When we are humble, when we stop looking at ourselves as the center of our universe, and as the center of the church, we can see Christ in each other. And when we submit to each other, we are submitting ourselves to Christ in each other. We are placing ourselves under his authority, the authority that he has placed on those around us. We are positioning ourselves to receive from his word 
and the spiritual gifts that he has anointed the church with. At the end of the day, it is all about him. So if we can't submit to each other, then we are obviously not in a place to truly submit to him because this is the way he works. Submit is not a bad word. It is not a weak word. Submission is a strong word, and it is a biblical word. It is a word from God. It is a spiritual word. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Our submission, our placing ourselves under each other is about him. Submit means to place yourself under or be humble under someone else. Now, why would you want to do that other than the fact that God just told you to? Well, when we place ourselves under someone else, we're in a position to receive from them. When we place ourselves under others, we recognize that they have something that we need. Submitting to each other means we make ourselves vulnerable. Vulnerable, again, seems like such a bad word. It sounds like a weak word. But it's the opposite. It's when we are vulnerable that we are truly strong. Because that's when we're in a pos- we have positioned ourselves for God to strengthen us. So it's his strength that we rely on, not our own. The purpose of the spiritual gifts is not to bless the person that has received the gift, that has been anointed with it. The purpose of the spiritual gifts is to bless and build the church. As 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, the gifts, the gifts are for the common good. But to receive from these gifts, we need to be submitted to each other. We've got to make ourselves vulnerable. We've got to break down the walls that we've placed around our hearts and built up around our minds. If we do this, the Spirit, working through our brothers and sisters, can bless us, can minister to us, can pass on what it is that God has given them. And this is an important point for us to grasp here. The way of the Holy Spirit, the way in which he conducts his work in us, it is not all him directly to us. So much of it is him working through someone else. We have such an individualistic culture. Just, it's, it's just all about me. And even in our relationship with God, we make it just you and me. It's me and God. I don't need anyone else. And our pioneering spirit of the, the, this, this country, our DIY culture, we want to go off and do it on our own. Just me and God, that's all I need. That is not the way the kingdom of God works. What we need to be mature as a church and as, as disciples is found in the people around us. Man, it's taken me so long to find the truth of this. I need you. I need what God has put on you. I need the prophetic word that he is speaking to you. Without it, I am going nowhere. Without it, I will not be unified with you and I will not be mature. This is how he works. 
Read 1 Corinthians 12. Read it. Have a look. There is, that's all it says. It's a body. We need every member, every part. Every part is a function. And without it, we are unhealthy. We suffer. We suffer together. So that means that when we resist the ministry of our brothers and sisters in the church, we are resisting the work of his spirit. This could be hard for a lot of people. It's certainly been hard for me. We'd be most happy, I think I certainly would, just to take care of things ourselves. Just me and the Bible, which of course I would interpret inherently. It's not the kingdom way. To be submitted to each other means humbling ourselves to receive God's gift from each other. And God has anointed prophets to speak prophetically over his church and to speak prophetically over this specific expression of his church here at the rock. God gives people dreams and words and visions and impressions for us here. We are not the body of Christ here at the rock. We are a part of it though. And God has a plan for us as a particular expression of the body of Christ. But to fulfill that plan, we need to be someone who we are currently not. And I have hope for us because I know that who we are now is not who we were. We're halfway, it feels like, or at least a few steps along. He is already fulfilling the prophetic word that he's been pouring out here. Stuff that I was in this room to receive and hear, I'm seeing it fulfilled in my day. That is awesome. To receive the truth, to receive his challenge and reproof and the encouragement that God pours out through to this gift, we need to submit ourselves under the ministry of these prophets, making ourselves vulnerable, making ourselves humble for God to have his way. And that means honoring the gift on their life and receiving it gratefully and with faith. When we do that, we are in a position to receive the blessing and benefit of their gift. Matthew chapter 10 verse 41 says, Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. What do you think is the reward of a prophet? I'll tell you what God gives a prophet. God gives a prophet his word. He gives a prophet revelation. He gives a prophet pictures of the realities of heaven and when we honor a prophet and the gift on them we get what god gave them his word revelation pictures of heaven and heaven on earth his kingdom fulfilled but we only get that we only get a prophet's reward if we can honor the prophet honoring what god has put on them and that has been hard for me. And so I have been deaf to a lot of what God wanted to say here because I couldn't humble myself 
to honor what God was doing through someone else. Because they didn't do it the way that I'd prefer they did. They They didn't do it the way that I would have done it. Thankfully, God is patient. And he's promised that he will complete the work that he started in me. And bit by bit, that's happening. And the more I can humble myself and honor what he's doing through others, the more I receive. So uh, this stuff here, this is starting to come alive to me in ways that it, it didn't when it was first declared here. I'm starting to see what God wants me to see. I'm starting to hear what he's saying. And it's starting to make a real difference. And I'm being so encouraged by this because I, I now see that the struggles we've been having, the struggles I've been having, this isn't out of the blue. This was prophesied. And like all the trials and struggles that the people of Israel had in the wilderness, this is making me stronger. This is drawing me closer to him. If I don't rebel against him but receive it, I'm being discipled. And this is what he prophesied. He will dismantle, but he will reestablish. So if I can receive the dismantling and allow him to pull down that which he needs to pull down, then he can build me up to what he's always wanted me to be. This is a word for the rock, but this is a word for Clay McGregor. If I receive it, if I'm humble to receive it and honor, that is a prophetic word. And it goes for all of this. Every heart will be exposed for what is in it. Oh, I remember the day that was powerfully fulfilled in my life. And I saw who I really was. I was on staff here. I was preaching. I was teaching. And I wasn't teaching what God wanted me to. I thought I was doing you all a favor. God showed me what I was really doing and where it was coming from. And he humbled me in this motel room up in, up in Auckland. And he showed me what he had for me. He exposed my heart, but he also healed it. If you want a prophet's reward, we need to honor that gift. We need to honor the prophet receiving God's word with humility, with faith, and with discernment. And we're going to be, we'll, we'll speak to that in the, in the weeks to come. But for now, our inspiration, our model, is the saints of Berea, who received the prophetic word from Paul with eagerness, and then examined the scriptures to see if what he said was true. Our hearts, our hearts, are they eager for God's prophetic word? Are they eager to hear his will? Uh, Are they eager to hear and receive his heart? And are they humble to accept it and to allow it to do a work in us? That is my meditation every time I open this and I reflect on all the other words that I've heard through the time I've been here. Lord, what are you wanting to say to me here? What do you need to expose? What do you need to dismantle?
And Lord, have your way. Let's pray. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful that it is in these times that I live. There have been times in the history of your people, in the history of the church, where, where it seemed like you were silent. And the prophets didn't hear your voice. But we are not in those times now. Lord, I'm thankful for the gifts that you have poured out on our part of the family here at The Rock. I thank you for those among us who have had faith and courage to step into that gift and the calling and to let you work through them. And I thank you, Lord, for how you have blessed me through that. Lord, I want more. And I know to receive more that I, I need to be humble. I need to be vulnerable. My heart needs to be soft. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue that work in me, softening my heart, humbling me, vulnerable so that you can do in me and complete the work that you've started. Thank you that your word is being declared here, your prophetic word. And I pray you continue to speak and pour out your spirit here. Thank you for the encouragement, the, the challenge, the reproof, the discipleship that we, we're seeing through this, Lord. I pray, Lord, for the faith to accept this as your word and to step into it. I pray this prayer for all my brothers and sisters, my friends here this morning as well. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. And a soft heart to receive, Lord. That your revelation would well up from our spirits and transform all that we are, into the likeness of your precious Son. In Jesus' name. Amen.